So hello and welcome to the June 2021 case broadcast where we're going to speak today on the subject of the art of war in business. So it's hello from me, Patrick Twitchett. And it's a very, very big hello from him, Melvin Manning. Very good, Melvin. And uh, this is the case broadcast and case stands or represents connecting and supporting entrepreneurs. We hope you spotted the acronym. If you didn't, you, you might have to listen to that again, but it's quite simple. We run mastermind groups, monthly workshops, and this monthly broadcast, and it's on video and audio, where we want to give you, the listener, some valuable input to help you on your journey. So listen out, listen up, and listen in. But Melvin, I know you know, need no introduction, but I would like you um, as you're talking today, um, to give our listeners a little bit of a, an intro from you between 20 to 30 seconds. And knowing you, Melvin, I will put the stopwatch on. So uh, please. please an, intro, an intro into our subject or into me personally? Into you personally, because there's something else I want to talk about after you've introduced yourself. So uh, do introduce yourself. Oh, my God. OK, well, hello, every body and all one of you who are out there in podcast land <clears throat> melvin manning my business is m&m consultancy and i have spent the last 42 years plying my wares is the only way i can put it in the uh, advertising and marketing world in london uh, where from running uh, advertising studios to running agencies to running a general business consultancy i've been involved in the business world but predominantly my forte in when I come and talk to a uh, potential customer and work with a customer ongoing is the advertising and marketing side of the business. The business could be product-led, the business could be uh, led by uh, services. It doesn't really matter because we're going out there into the big wide world to sell whatever the proposition is. The proposition is the most important factor. I will uh, look at that side of the client business and deliver it into the community that it needs, or I deem it or believe it, and have recommended it to go into for the success of closure of sales. They do, they do. Indeed. So, so to those joining us today, just a quick breakaway from our discussion there, just to let you know that if you wanted to know more or be a part of the Case Mastermind community, all you need to do is follow the links in the notes below to our website to find out more. And I'll see you there in case you didn't already know. Now let's go back to the discussion. Melvin, please walk us through the subject um, this month, which is the art of war in business. Indeed, and it's also related to a session for Case Mastermind, which will be happening in June this year. And I believe 
It's going to be on the, the 11th of June. So there will be, be Manning will be the star attraction. Well, this is for all you young entrepreneurs out there, uh, business people, men and women alike. It's for those of you that think, you know, what is there an art to business? Is there a methodology behind business? Is there a good example behind business? Where do all these trainers, where do these coaches, where do they get their insights from? How did it all begin? Well, not 100% sure that it began here, but several thousand years ago, roughly, a gentleman by the name of Sun Tzu wrote a book back in, let's say, whatever China was back in that day, and created The Art of War, which was all about military tactics and how to get around your opponent and how to gradually go through to win a war. So what I've got here, if you like, is an interpretation, only in six points, because it's quite a lengthy book, and it's, it's had many different rewrites by various individuals who are coaches or who are business entrepreneurs um, to try and give it some kind of uh, form in the business environment. So what I've got here is lessons to take from Sun Tzu, from the art of war chronicles, if you like, because everything's written in military tactics, uh, whereby for argument's sake, you know, in war, then let your great object be victory, not lengthy campaigns. So that's just really all about the fact of, you know, little and often to achieve your goal yeah. in, in not so many words. Having those objectives, isn't it, Melvin? And, it and is. I mean, I'd like to just very quickly read out the six, the, six object, the, the six subjects that I'd like to cover and will be covering uh, in June on that second Friday is the first one, capture your market without destroying it. I think that's rather important. Yeah. Avoid strength and attack weakness. I think that's essential. Yes. Maximize the power of business intelligence, which means yeah. know your subject, know what you're doing. Use speed to overcome your competition. Now, there'll be arguments for and against that, but the quicker you get into a market, the quicker you own it. That's what that's all about. Use alliances and strategic control points to your advantage. So don't make your competitor an enemy necessarily. Alliances can be very, very strong. Develop your character as a leader to maximize the potential of your employees. So in other words, you lead by example and get the best out of the people that you employ. Yeah, These that, are the subjects that, that we will cover through Sun Tzu's The Art of War relative to your business. No, that's really good, Mel. So if, if you have any questions on that, Patrick, feel free. But what I'd then like to now do is just give a little praise, a little opening with, with, some, with a couple, maybe one example or more, or more. And then perhaps we can just very... Um, uh, strategically go into one or two or maybe all of the various points and give an example yeah i think on your first point there uh, where you quoted uh, in war then let your great object or objective victory not be, lengthy campaigns yeah be victory and not lengthy campaigns i think you know this this comes in business as well with with meetings, we can often be in meetings that are really long and drawn out. But if you've got your objectives right, actually meetings can take 10 minutes or 15 minutes if they're well-prepared, 
well communicated out before the meeting, you're just in there making decisions. And I think that's... Yeah, I'm going to give you a quote from a, a very famous and, you know, a, a worldly famous movie uh, in my introduction, which I think it, it kind of says it all, kind of says it all. So I'm just going to bring, so forgive me while I read. I am going to read because I can't remember all these little things because, it, you know, this has come from a book written by Sun Tzu. It's not written by me. This is an interpretation by me and from me to you. But it's, as I say, taken from these chronicles written many, 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 many centuries ago. So are you happy for me to do this now, Patrick? Yeah. So is this your first point or are we, is this before? Your oh, it's a little opening gambit. Okay. Yeah. That's a little, 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 little bit of background. So business has always been tough, but it has become even more difficult as competition has become more global, faster paced and increasingly technologically dependent. So why in the 21st century, you, you might want to ask yourself, would it make sense to look at The Art of War written by Sun Tzu for business advice? It's a book on ancient warfare written centuries before the birth of Christ. So we're going back to when, you know, when God was a boy, this is when this all began. So it's a good question, that particular question. So the answer is that The Art of War lays out a brilliant strategic philosophy that has proven itself over the millennia in all types of competitive endeavors. Of course, it's been applied by the military because it was written for the military, but sports coaches use it, many business strategists use it, and have used it again and again and again to gain a competitive advantage. That's the big trick, to gain the competitive advantage. It has even moved into popular culture. So appearing in the classic film, Wall Street. Now, I don't know anyone or many people that haven't seen Wall Street uh, with Michael Douglas, who plays a real life person called Gordon Gecko, who was a very famous and still is a fairly famous uh, fi finance person uh, in Wall Street in uh, New York, where he quotes in the movie a very famous line, which is taken from... Sun Tzu's Art of War. It says, I don't throw darts at a board. I bet on sure things. Read Sun Tzu, The Art of War. Every battle is won before it's lost. Now, what do you make of that, Patrick? Good. Well, the thing is, is this. Do your planning and you'll win your battles. Don't do your planning and you'll lose. Yeah. It's quite simple. Unfortunately, the book itself is a bit of a hard read, and it is an extremely hard read. I've actually got a copy here, and it's 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 mind-boggling, and you have to try and interpret it the best way that you can in words that maybe suit your own personality. And I think that's what many people have done over the over the decades. So, um, so given it's really a series of quotations about ancient Chinese warfare, so. Sun Tzu's concepts are easier to understand and more applicable to modern business and business people. Um, um, so all I have done is I've kind of dissected it a little bit and I've taken half a dozen examples, which obviously I called out earlier uh, in headings, uh, which will apply to everybody's business way of life and everyone's business 
mechanism basically you could you could your businesses don't work without having encountered any of these points so just as an example um the first one i read out was capture your market without destroying it so sun tzu says generally in war the best policy is to take a state intact to, to ruin it is inferior to this for to win 100 victories in 100 battles is not the acme of skill to subdue the enemy enemy without fighting is the acme of skill what that kind of means in the english written word is too often businesses fight over market share and start price wars only to find when it's all over that they've won what effectively is a pyrrhic victory. They have captured the market. This is what this means. They have captured the market, but left it devoid of profits. So in other words, they bought it and they bought it and they bought it. And by buying it, they've, they've reduced and reduced and reduced their profits. And all of a sudden, there's nothing for anybody. So the airline industry illustrates this, just as an example, uh, as a price cutting, you know, when they do a price cutting, has produced many money losing airlines and terrible customer service. And we see this in the press literally week on week. I'm not saying it's a day on day thing, but it's something that is publicized quite regularly. So instead, to prosper, you must capture your market in a manner that leaves the industry healthy. This can be done in numerous ways, developing new ways to serve the market or by using subtle, indirect, and low-key approaches that will not draw a competitor's attention or a response. So just as an example, Amazon, they did this when they started off book retailing. And over the years, they've obviously been capturing and capturing their market. And now they've obviously captured many more markets and are probably, if not the biggest company on the planet now. It also happened with Netflix. Netflix took over from a company called Blockbuster. Some of you may not have heard of Blockbuster, but that's how it all evolved a few decades ago. And they created a difference in their business model. It all went online. Uh, Blockbuster were in the high street and the movie market moved online. And now we're all watching Netflix. We're all watching Amazon Fire Stick. And we're obviously watching many other aspects of uh movie or documentary or TV programs or games in all sorts of genre. So at the end of the day, that is what that point means. So do you kind of get the hang of this, Patrick, where this will always be going? Yeah, and I assume that the main core reason for obliterating the market is just to focus on price and driving the price down. And yeah. but do but do you also see that certain books that are now that have been written let's say in the last 40 50 years have taken some of this logic from a military phenomena i.e sun tzu and come up with their own versions so you know there is uh, something that i did earlier in our in our history called red and blue oceans which is exactly this point yes which, yeah, was, which was recreated, you know, about 20 or 30 years ago, I believe that started. So mm -hmm. 
Interesting, moving on to point two, avoid strength and attack weakness. Uh, so Sun Tzu says, an army may be likened to water. But just as flowering water avoids the heights and hastens to the lowlands, so the army avoids strength and strikes weakness. So that means many times in business, businesses will launch direct attacks on their competitors in the hope of profit. Yet direct, unsubtle and heads down assaults on a competitor's strengths rarely works. Instead, they drain a firm's resources and rouse the other company to fight back strongly. The recommendation perhaps here is that what one must do instead is to find the competition's weaknesses and capitalize on attacking those. So for example, instead of directly taking on a big retailer in cities, so for example, Aldi and Lidl, for argument's sake, started their, business, their businesses in outer town sites, small towns, smaller sites. And in this way, the company was able to eliminate the weaker local competitors, while simultaneously they grew stronger. Then when the bigger supermarkets later launched direct price wars against them, which we see on the TV pretty much all the time now, they've been unable to win against the LD and little strengths with their low cost quality model. Yeah. And the funny thing is they mention them in their adverts, which for me shows fear. Well, it shows fear, but it's also drawing attention because I noticed that I think it was Sainsbury's that said an advert the other day that mentioned something about Aldi prices and I thought you're just just drawing people's attention to your competitor Aldi and they go oh, Aldi oh who's that oh right, okay and 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 there is that yeah. element to it I mean and then this is a, I think it's an interesting topic because I mean there's been some famous wars and I would say the two most famous wars I can think of commercially in business um, are um, Coca-Cola versus Pepsi and also McDonald's versus Burger King. And their adverts were really blatantly, I mean, sometimes they were so blatantly direct, I, I would have thought it was illegal or some sort of rule against it. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? In, in well, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that because uh, point number three, maximize the power of business intelligence. So I'm going to answer your question in this th statement. Okay. So that says, know the enemy and know yourself. In a hundred battles, you will never be in peril. That's what Sun Tzu says. Business intelligence is crucial to learning the competitor's strengths and weaknesses and understanding one's own capabilities. One case in point hails from the burger wars between McDonald's and Burger King. This, <laughs> how ironic, the latter, the latter had decided to attack McDonald's and its renowned French fries by making it its own, by making its own better and touting them to the buyers. So they were saying their fries were better at Burger King. Okay, so great minds think alike, Patrick. Indeed, indeed. All right, so um, apprised of this, McDonald's CEO, back in the, the, the day when this happened, sent an urgent letter to all the restaurants 
telling them that Burger King will launch a full frontal assault on one of our greatest assets, our fries. In the letter, he then laid out detailed instructions on how to ensure only high quality fries would get served. Through smart intelligence about its competitors' plans, McDonald's won that round of the war, of the, well, of the fight, of the war. So there you go, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. For example. No, that, it, example. And in my next one, number four, I will be talking about Coca-Cola. Use speed to overcome your competition. Now, a frowned upon word to some degree, but have a listen to this. Speed is the essence of war. Take advantage of the enemy's unpreparedness, travel by unexpected routes and strike him where he has taken no precautions. Now that's Sun Tzu. So in business, as in war, speed is essential. The changes companies face, whether social, technological, political, or economic, are only accelerating. Yeah. Which is technology, obviously, uh, having its way and taking over to some extent. But obviously, there's still humans pushing buttons somewhere. If a firm cannot move rapidly to respond to market changes, it will not survive which is a very, very true statement. Speed is instrumental in being the first to market, which is obviously where the big boys have become big. Enabling a company to take advantage of fleeting opportunities and keeping the competition off balance. So companies such as Coca-Cola, as you referred to earlier, are continually bringing new products to market and finding new ways to deliver choice and convenience to customers so for argument's sake you know they'll bring out a new flavor or they'll bring out a new type of way of dispensing their product and the novelty is in often in the dispenser you know you'll have a coca-cola fridge or you'll have a coca-cola this or you'll have a coca-cola that and obviously it's the brand versus you know or not versus but working with their product structure and that is very clubby isn't it well, that's right. I mean, you know, Coca-Cola is a classic example. I mean, you know, I, I always refer back to it. Everybody probably knows now. But, um, you know, I grew up thinking Father Christmas wore a red jacket with <laughs> white fur around the edge. Yeah. And then, I, you know, it was a lot later in life when I, I was, I actually realised that the original Santa Claus wore a green outfit, but Coca-Cola decided to use <coughs> a red outfit with yeah, like a, like white, a tunic, yeah. yeah, with the white fluffy lining because it was their brand. And I, I think it was at that time because they have the Coca-Cola lorry at Christmas goes around and gives away free Coke as well, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, don't, I haven't seen it for some time, but they used to, yes. Yeah, no, no, I think they still do it. Um, do I don't know about with lockdown, but yeah, a couple of years ago, I think it came to South End or something. Everyone was talking about it, the Coca-Cola is coming or something. And, you know, I, it, I mean, it, it's really clever marketing. You know, if Pepsi would have got there first, then, yeah. then you know, Santa Claus would have been blue and red or whatever it would have been. Yeah. <laughs> 
You're lucky Fanta didn't get there. <laughs> An orange. Well, Donald Trump could have been Father Christmas, couldn't he? An orange Father Christmas. <laughs> no, but that's the power of our advertising and marketing. That is the power of it. You yeah. know, when, 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 when companies do endorsements into uh, movie structures, that is strategic placement. So whether it's Aston Martin cars or Coca-Cola or Wilkinson or whoever it might be, you know, with the blade with James Bond, you know, who knows? You just don't understand the value of what that means to the brand and to the product. Yeah, and I think speed, uh, speed is, is something that I've been looking at very recently because, you know, we're talking now um, where Clubhouse has appeared as a social media platform. Yeah, yeah. And it's... Only on invitation only. Pardon? On invitation only. Well, it's invitation only, but what I'm talking about the speed, because, yeah, they've made it exclusive, but what they've done, they've launched it. They, It's still in its, um, what do they call it, a, B, a beta phase, don't they? And that's why they're making it exclusive, because they're yeah. trying to modify it. They haven't perfected and perfected and perfected it, um, and then released it. No, it's been released, and then they've allowed a small audience in, and as they've been perfecting it, they've increased the size of the audience before yeah. a final rollout. I mean, yeah. I despise the fact that it's exclusive to Apple, and I've aired my opinion on that uh, quite vehemently. There's a method in their madness. Look, there is, there is, and I know that perhaps the... Uh, the uh, the Apple operating system works better with it, etc. But um, I was quite irritated by that exclusivity. But yeah. I think it's it's been quick, and it's attracted a huge amount of attention. Interest. And yes. now, and why is there interest, Patrick? Oh, the exclusivity, isn't it? The unknown, the unknown. What? Why is it so exclusive? Yeah, FOMO, fear of missing out. It's it's all of that, and and now Twitter is releasing some uh, similar type yeah. of aspect to its platform. Instagram is following up, so it's now all this. It's exactly right. The speed. It's it's who's going to now come in? Who's going to be first? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's. But even the fact that one of them is second. They're reacting quickly. You know, LinkedIn might mm -hmm. bring something out. You know what LinkedIn's like. LinkedIn yeah. brings something out in 10 years' time. And then go, oh, we this, got a thing similar to Clubhouse. You know? this, kind of, this kind of segues us onto point five of Sansu in my presentation. The use of alliances and strategic control points to your advantage is another way to go, where you don't have to be necessarily first, and you can possibly even work with others to achieve your goal. So, yes, Sun Tzu says, therefore, those skilled in war bring the enemy to the field of battle and are not brought there by him. So it's, it's drawing the enemy into the field of battle. Yeah. So and in this interpretation, so by forming alliances with other companies, one can acquire new capabilities and access new markets. Yes. Even allying with competitors... And that's obviously co co um, 
cooperation, whichever the way you want to look at it, can be smart strategy as well. Yes. Now, in this instance, I can call on the formation of the Premier League as an English example. That came out of clubs wanting better, wanting more, wanting to, you know, let's say, improve their station, create greater income. That's how the Premiership uh, evolved from a financial point of view, but obviously from a quality point of view, certain clubs felt that they weren't getting the benefit of the best and they wanted to be more elitist and more of an elite platform. So the Premier League was formed and working with the Football League, which is you know, the leagues thereafter working down, uh, formulated, formulated a way of working. And you know the tables obviously proved themselves where people are going up and down, up and down all the time. But what then happened was an alliance with companies like Sky and various other promoters and sponsors where an income stream was created for the teams, for the pleasure of showing their, their matches on a, on a regular basis live on TV, where all of a sudden beyond a hundred million pound per club was created in order to support this cause. Yeah. Lots of merchandising thereafter, where the bottom line of that is, you know, this created arguably the strongest football business in the world, delivering some of the highest revenues from TV rights and merchandising, and creating some of the most powerful clubs on the planet, because they weren't that before all this. No, you, you mentioned there about sort of product placement um, a little earlier, and, you know, this is massive in films now. You know, you see the famous one was um, Daniel Craig as James Bond when he was going down the pan, which to me was a bit strange for the marketing. When he was going down the pan, he was drinking Heineken, and he was shown drinking a bottle of Heineken. And actually, it was when he was hitting rock bottom as James Bond. And he was like, actually, is that, that the right message you want to send to your audience? But it was still product placement yeah, but in the film. He's most famous for his watches. It's, you know, if it's not an Amiga, it's a Rolex. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, the product placement, Netflix is using it. You know, people are flipping up laptops and it's got that Apple on it. And it's clearly in the shot on the screen so people can see it. Um, but Netflix is, you know, a very affordable platform. So I watch that and I say, I, that doesn't affect me because they're using that to pay for their productions to give me entertainment and I have to pay a reduced fee to watch it. If they didn't do product placement, they'd probably have to charge me £25 a month rather than than the six or the nine or whatever we pay. So I understand that. And a classic example, which I know you and I both enjoyed this film, Melvin, was um, Coming to America 2, which has just recently come out. And I I do like aspects of that film that make me laugh, because obviously the guy there is... um, McDowell's the yeah. taking it taking on McDonald's. Yeah, McDowell's, yeah. and um, he said we've got the Big Mick Burger, <laughs> and and you know that 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 does make me laugh, you know, yeah. and all the things he was coming out with. But I noticed that seeing that because that has been produced by 
Um, I think that's in an Amazon production, isn't it? An Amazon Prime. I think production. it is. Yeah, yeah. I think it is. Yeah. And but on the table when they're talking about all that, if you look, they have got a pile of drinks. Did you notice that? Yeah. And what was the name of the drink, Melvin? Don't remember. Pepsi. I remember. I, I remember all the drinks being there. It was Pepsi. They were was it a Pepsi brand, was it? Hold up. On the table in front of them in this shop, and and I and me being me and Lorraine must get fed up with me. I'm always commentating on commercials, how good they are and how bad they are. And when I saw that, I was like, "Can you see? Look, look at that! Look at that! Look at all the Pepsi things there. I wonder how much um, revenue they got, how much income they got from Pepsi to put that on that film, and then how much revenue." Pepsi have got from seeing that on that screen. Mm. It's an alliance. It's a, it's a perfectly legal alliance between two companies and saying, look, I'm, I'm producing a film here. I'm making loads of money making this film. I want a piece of the action. I want some money in from you, but you are going to get so much more off the back of it. Yeah. It all works. It's brilliant. You know, fantastic business. And it's that's a strategy. They've all done that aside and moving on. <laughs> another point, 4.5 for the, let's say, the more uh, millennial type of uh, listener and viewer. Controlling strategic positions is another way to, comp to compete successfully. Owning critical patents, seats on standards boards, a powerful brand or the direct relationship with the customer all can lead to gaining the lion's share of the industry profits. One need only look at Google in web search or Apple in the smartphone and tablet markets to see how holding a strategic stronghold can pay off. Now, that's very clear words and a clear understanding of how alliances and strategic control points can be used to an advantage. And before that, you would have had Microsoft. But obviously that was some time ago, but Microsoft are an industry standard now. Yeah, um, Google, the, the, the principle of Google that you have a web browser that's completely free, you have, an email address that's completely free, a calendar that's completely free, a map, um, a Google Keep, what you can do notes on, Google Drive to store your data on. They're all free, but then they reach certain capacity where you may wish to monetize them. Um, what an absolutely brilliant strategic plan that here you go, you can have this, it's nothing. And a lot of marketing now is going that way, isn't it, Melvin? Everyone now I see out on social media that are doing really successfully are saying, yes, I've got seminars and I've got these things, but actually, before we do all of that, I've got a free download for you. All you need to give me is your email address, nothing else, I will send you my free information, my free package, and then 
they'll then lead in and bleed in with all these other things and let you monetize at your choice. I think it's an absolutely brilliant marketing strategy. So strategic. Yeah. So my last point for this exercise is develop your character as a leader to maximize the potential of your employees. And this is number six, isn't it? This Melvin? is the last one of my points, number six. So Sun Tzu says, when one treats people with benevolence, justice and righteousness and reposes confidence in them, the army will be united in mind and all will be happy to serve their leaders, which basically is about being yes. about leading from the front, but being respected, all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, being fair. It's not that, I mean, look, let me read this out to you. For a leader to successfully execute Sun Tzu's strategic philosophy requires not just intelligence, character is critical as well. Yes. So um, moving on, one cannot align the team on the right path and deliver real value to customers long term without having sufficient character, a sense of self-awareness and an understanding and empathy for others kind yeah. of comes together a little bit now well well definitely it's that character that you can uh build trust in someone who's trustworthy and keeps their word and uh, as i always say respect is earned and not commanded yeah so um for want of a simple expression it's emotional intelligence Yes. So we know from studying great leaders in history, uh, the people we work with every day and the science of leadership. It is the, it, it, so I'm now going to give you, if you like, my own opinion, that if a business owner, a director, an entrepreneur follows these six principles that we've just run through, there are stronger chances of being successful. Definitely. Definitely. Any and thoughts uh, on that? People need a leader. They need a leader they can trust and, and look up to, don't they? For me, in summary, and something for everyone to remember, winning the business battles of the future can be helped by using the wisdom of the past. Sun Tzu, the art of war, but interpreted for business. It is definitely, definitely. So... Very well summed up there, I think, Melvin. So, um, I, if if you have, do you have any further points to add, or are we uh, moving on now from our? This, this this to me, I think, um, says it all. I do hope that anyone participating in the meeting in June will gain benefit from elaborating on this. I do feel that there is structure behind it and I think it will help anybody, whether it be a service or whether they have a product, uh, take their, their dreams to where they wish to go. Yes. So I will look forward to running through this again in June, but discussing it in detail with those present. Absolutely. And, uh, Anyone 
wishing to to join us in June can join the case workshop. Um, they can just go to our website, which is casemastermind.co.uk. Uh, can book on to our workshops through there, um, and that will be Friday, the eleventh of June. So um, we'd look forward to seeing as many of you there as can make it. So that would be fantastic. Yeah, and, and bring your friends and family because these points are there for debating. Indeed. Indeed, and debate we do. In our, in our workshops, we have breakout sessions where we all brainstorm particular ideas. And I think, you know, in those, I don't know how you feel, find it, Melvin, but I know when I'm in a brainstorming group like that, the, the level of thoughts that are being exchanged around the room just raise my level of thinking so much higher. And I've come out with things that I didn't even know I had there on the inside. So, I mean... Um, my involvement is to is to permanently be a sponge. You can never stop learning. There's always something going to come out of the woodwork where you think, do you know what? It's it was there for me to see and I never caught it, but I've got it now. And you know, you can you can never get enough of learning. Yes, definitely. And and Melvin, um, as we. As we know, each month, if people leave feedback with um, a, a tagline, a hashtag of it, or um, just putting the word in very uh, creatively or secretively into a review or post about uh, case, uh, the case broadcast, what is the word they can or phrase they can use this month? It's a good question, that Patrick. And um, there are so many that I have that come to mind on this particular subject. It might not be Sun Tzu says. It might be more like. Well, I don't want it to be Sun Tzu says, but I might like it to be something like winning the business battles. Oh. Winning the business battles, very good. So those listening, if you want to put that into your feedback um, about our um, case broadcast this month, um, you stand a chance of winning a prize. And uh, we'd love to hear from you and uh, engage with you more. So moving on from that, does move to um, a section uh, of the the battle of words between indeed and I. Yes. <laughs> um, I gave you a very humbly nice one on our last occasion. Well, you gave us a word indeed, Melvin, last month in the month of May. And what was that word? Please refresh our memory. I'm going to refresh you. The word is rampallion, which is something that occasionally you could be. Oh, you, you but, mean, but, but in the nicest sense. So you're going to say something regarding to me that's actually going to be quite nice. It's, well, it's bordering on nice. It's kind of <laughs> a very pleasant kind of thing that was always said of um, the Pink Panther. Pink Panther? Yeah that he was 
a very pleasant guy back in the day in the movies, but he was a bit of a scoundrel. <laughs> and that's what Rampallion is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so a bit of a, a ruffian or a scoundrel. Scoundrel, yes. A bit like Peter Niven type. <laughs> if, if you're as old as me, you might know who that is. Oh, David Niven. Sorry, Peter Niven. David Niven. Oh, oh yes, David, David Niven. Or, David. or as the who cut right? that piece of it out. Definitely David, David Niven. Yeah, and um, who was the other guy who played the Pink Panther? Um, oh, oh goodness. Oh, the name escapes me now. I'm going to have to Google that while we're. It, David Niven was the earliest Pink Panther. Oh, okay. Um, no, it was the other guy, a very well-known actor. Um, I know it was later played, played by Steve Martin, wasn't it? But in the yeah, but he, he was playing uh, an, another thing, uh, the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, with uh, Michael Caine. Yeah. Um, oh, no, I'm just trying to think who that actor was. Oh, it will come to me in a minute. I'll... Um, okay. But nevertheless, indeed, a backhanded compliment. Yes. Uh, okay, a backhanded compliment. Okay, I'll. Um, I suppose I'll, I'll. I'll take that one on the chin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and if our if our listeners can remember who I'm trying to refer to, a well-known English actor, who um, who I believe was in the Battle of Britain as well. Just trying to think what his name was. Uh, you can definitely message us and contact us and, and tell us who that is. Um, oh, oh. Well, that I'm was only on a few, well, a little while ago on TV, wasn't it? Back the Brits, been on several times. Yeah, yeah. Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer, oh, right. Okay. Christopher Plummer. I thought he was in the uh, Sound of Music. He was. He was, but he wasn't the big panther in the sound of music. <laughs> <laughs> it was Baron von, was it Baron von Richtenstein or something? I don't know. The von Trapp family. Yeah, yeah, whatever it was. Um, but um, yeah, and he again is 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 of a similar ilk to Mr. Niven, isn't he, in that sense? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But there were many good actors in the Battle of Britain. Okay, well, it's nice to know you consider me a scoundrel, Melvin. I, yes. Thank you for that uh, compliment. <laughs> uh, you, you seem to call it a compliment. Okay. Um, so, I've got to come back with um, uh, another word. What have you got? What have you got? Anything good? Yes, it's... Now, you see, I would pronounce this word consinuous, but it's... Oh, no, it's... No, it's but it's... Consinous. 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 Yeah, not, not, in, not inconsonant. Oh. <laughs> Con Consinous. Can't wait to find out what that means. Indeed, Melvin, indeed. And uh, all will be revealed. Yes, I will be a fly on the wall when that happens. That the merry month of July. Yes. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll see. Can't wait. 
Indeed. You, you await with eager anticipation. I so, do. If um, there's nothing else to add, then it's just it's just left to our farewell, Melvin. Indeed. So, yes, uh, let's do it. For me, it's goodbye from me. And it's an incredibly goodbye from him. Thank you. Goodbye. So, folks, thank you for joining us on our broadcast. This has been brought to you by Case Mastermind, the brainstorming mastermind group that you, the listener, can be a part of. Just follow the links in the notes attached to our website and Eventbrite pages to see what events you can join us at. If you enjoy our content, please share and review. One of the talented people who leave us a great review with that month's watchword is given out on our monthly broadcast will be selected for comments. If you would like to hear more, please hit the subscribe button so you can hear more from the Case Mastermind team. So remember folks, listen out, listen up, and listen in. See you soon.